two years after the first series of murders, as Sydney acclimates to college life, someone donning the ghost face costume begins a new string of killings. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining, Ruining Our Childhood. Childhood, a weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is this podcast. Correct. Not a podcast where we badmouth our childhood. Correct. But also the podcast that your dad doesn't want to listen to. Yeah. And not you, the listener's dad, which... If he's a baby boomer, like Ryan's dad, he probably has no interest in listening to this as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a movie that we could do, that we could rewatch, that he would want to listen to the episode Maybe about. this one, because you did mention in a previous episode that he loved to watch horror movies. But he's never seen any of these, I don't think. Oh. Yeah. Well, he should, because they're fantastic. They are. Um, just in case you didn't know, by our summary, we're doing the 1997 classic Scream 2, which is our first sequel we're doing. And yeah. if you haven't listened to our Scream episode, you should, should go listen to that. Yeah. It's early Ryan and Ashley yeah. ruining our childhood history. It's like episode four. I think so. Like yeah. Way back in April. It was one of my favorite ones that we did. Because of some of the stuff that happens in the movie. It was just hilarious. Oh, yeah. And it's just a decent movie. So. It really is. It has a lot of good actors in it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm excited to watch this because I probably haven't seen it in a really long time. Yeah. I remember us wanting to watch them and then we ended up buying them probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Which I think is what I say for every movie. <laughs> I think the last time, if I had a guess, I watched them was when the fourth one was coming out. Okay, yeah. I yeah. think that's why we bought them. Yeah. Because we wanted to rewatch them all mm-hmm. before the fourth one came out. When did the fourth one come out? 2011. Oh, I damn. Yeah. So, a good eight years. Yeah. At least. Yeah, because I think it these. came out in April or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Scream 2, 1997. Take us down memory road, Ryan, and let us know. What, what, what's up with 1997? Uh, this movie was released on December 12th of 1997. It had a budget of $24 million and grossed $172.4 million, which I will say until today, I was pretty positive this movie came out in 1998. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Something that I thought was interesting about it was the James Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies and James Cameron's titanic both changed their release dates to the following week because they did not want to go against scream 2 that's crazy yeah i never knew that but that would make sense not so much for maybe the james bond film because it has a built-in fan base but i mean you were really afraid to go against scream well it's funny now seeing as titanic became this massive hit yeah that, that they were afraid that it was going to be overshadowed by Scream 2, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And then another fact about the movie was Nev Campbell, who is obviously the star of the film. Cindy. Cindy. She won the MTV Movie Award for Best Female Performance for 1998 for her role in Spoiler this movie. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, she was fantastic. Spoiler alert of an award show that happened 21 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh um big tv shows from this time period were seinfeld er and veronica's closet i thought you were gonna say veronica mars i was like veronica's closet 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 i watched that show uh i watched it a little bit yeah i just remember uh kathy najami was in it Mm -hmm. that's the big person i remember other than uh kirstie allen i was like the main person the star of the show oh and dan cortez who is the scientist yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, that's not his name. The scientist from the dinosaur ride at Animal Kingdom is in that show. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I know who you, you mean by Dan Cortez. Yeah. Different no, actor. I know who you're talking about. I just, I just thought you were going with that. Yeah. Did you not know that? 
I did. I totally forgot that he was on it. Yeah. And then he was on like CSI or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I know him from. So when when we first went to Animal Kingdom and mm-hmm. we rode that ride, mm-hmm. and he was in that opening part. If you guys know what we're talking about, the yeah, there's a ride. pre-show with him and uh, Felisa Rashad. Yes. And that's what I know him from. Yeah. So, fun fact. God, that makes so much sense. I never put two and two together. And we've ridden that ride a lot of times. Yes. I could quote that Yeah. thing. Yes. You're coming back with one extra passenger. <laughs> and it's an iguanodon. Nerds. The number one song for the week the movie came out was Elton John's Candle in the Wind, 97. Uh, other songs were Mariah Carey, Honey, and the Notorious B.I.G. featuring Puff Daddy and Mace, Mo Money, Mo Problems. <laughs> and ain't that the truth. It is. <laughs> um, popular movies were Titanic, Men in Black, and The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Nice. So Speaking of dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to the dinosaurs. It's a good year. Yeah. I was 11. So. I was 13. And if you listen to our previous episode, the episode of the first movie, Scream, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I talked about, like, the Halloween party I went to, and I was scared to watch the movie. I was in seventh grade. So definitely, I think we might have watched it a couple years later, because I do remember, I was actually in sixth grade, sorry, not seventh grade, and this movie came out 1997, so I think this movie must have just been coming out, or... I don't know why we were watching the first one a year after this came out. I don't know. Maybe my timeline's messed up. In my mind. It's getting all fuzzy the older I get, you know? It's just hard to remember things. I remember the first one, I remember talking about it on the Scream episode, was how it was bouncing around in the class. Mm -hmm. But this one... I remember, like, going to the mall and seeing the poster and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Tower Records had, like, the album cover up in the window, mm-hmm. which I don't know why that stuck with me, but I remember that. But I don't remember seeing this movie until the third one came out and watching them before I went to go see the third one. I definitely saw the third one in theaters. I know yeah. I probably mentioned that in the first Scream episode mm-hmm. that we did. I saw it with my brother, of course. Yeah. And... I don't think I watched this until, like you said, like until we were going to go see Scream 3. Yeah. Because I definitely know I did not see it in theaters. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. Because we're obviously too young. Who's going to let an 11-year-old go to the movies? Yeah. My brother was only three years older than me, so he would have been 14. Mm-hmm. So he can't go either, so. But this, I will say, was right around the time I started going to the movies all the time with my friends. Uh-huh. But... We always had trouble getting into R-rated movies. There was, like, one theater that would sell us the tickets, and we never really had any problems, but then there was another theater who they would not sell us tickets. Sometimes when we would try to, like, have a parent buy the ticket for us, and they would leave, mm-hmm. they'd be like, where's your parent? You can't get into this movie. To the point I remember vividly going to see the movie Go, mm-hmm. and... My friend's mom had to go in with us because they would not allow us to go in. We were like 14 at the time. I wonder if they're as strict as they used to be. God, I hope not. That gave me anxiety and I never really attempted to go to the movies by myself like that or Mm -hmm. without parents or try to sneak in or anything like that. Breaking the rules. Yeah. I was not a big fan of. We would do the sneak in, buy the ticket for another movie and sneak in and I would always have anxiety when the employee would come in yeah who i think's just coming in to check and see that the sound levels are working right and I, I do think once or twice i've seen them come in and they've caught kids but it was i remember me. back in the day before we had to basically now in the theater you buy your seat and mm-hmm. you buy your spot yeah but i think there was a couple times where i saw them ask kids at least to see their ticket mm-hmm. i don't know it's so much better to be an adult. Yeah. You have to worry about that. You have to worry about it. The only thing I really remember from this movie is the opening scene. So I'm excited to see. Obviously, there will be a lot of stabbing oh, and yeah. murder. Murder. So do you think this movie will hold up? I'm going to say no. 
<laughs> which it's because I feel like we're so programmed to expect more from our horror movies nowadays, yeah. like the paranormal activities and stuff where it's just simple and it'll terrify you. Whereas I don't remember being that scared during these movies. Right. It's been a while, but did we decide the first one did hold up? I feel like we did. I don't remember. I feel like we should... We'll check on that. Yeah. And we'll get back to you after we watch the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't... I'm not going to let that... I guess it's good because I'm not going to let that deter me on this one or create bias that (laughs) I can't remember what we chose on that movie. I I feel like we did say it was going to hold up. Or we ended up saying it did hold up just because it was a decent movie. I don't remember... I do remember the movies we decided didn't hold up because they were just so bad yeah. in comparison, but I guess I guess we'll find out. I'm going to agree with you just because I think sequels in general don't do that well in not being original in a way. For me, it's not going to be as scary because it probably followed the same kind of plot, if I can remember correctly, that it will follow the same like formula the first one did. Yeah. Whereas the first one was kind of unique in a way, mm-hmm. when this one I don't think will be. I am excited to see all the cameos in there, because I don't really remember, other than the cast that was in the previous one, I don't really remember th- who else is in this movie. Yeah. So. There's a couple I can think of, but I'm, I don't want to spoil them, so I won't right. say anything to you. Cool. Yeah. So, it's not going to hold up, guys. That's our prediction. That's our prediction. As far as watching this movie, apparently you can watch it on Netflix, nice. Stream 2, Netflix, and possibly Stars if you have the Stars subscription. Um, yeah, and then you can rent it wherever, you know. It's interesting that it's on Netflix because I always feel like when it's becoming that season, like we're in fall, people are going to want to watch a scary movie. I always felt like Netflix and the other streaming services take those type of movies off i agree it's always when i think that's why we ended up buying these movies yeah you couldn't when the fourth one came out because yeah we were looking for them and they were nowhere to be found exactly but then like in january you're like oh here's all the horror movies oh yay thanks they do i think they do that too when like the sequels are coming out Mm -hmm. or something dvd sales Yeah. yeah rude it is i mean it's just business i guess but still an outrage it is what is our world what is our world (laughs) welcome to what is our world with ryan and ashley it's our new podcast guys yes we're just gonna start questioning everything that this world does it's gonna be really depressing very depressing anyway so i guess we can hit the pause pause and go watch scream 2 and come back and talk all about it Okay, bye. Okay, and we're back. We just finished watching Scream 2. And we're going to go ahead and break down our movie, like we always do with our categories. First thing we're going to do is check our caller ID to see who's calling us (laughs) and talk about some technology. I was really excited about this movie at the end because I was looking at the technology category, mm-hmm. and I think this is the most I've seen variety-wise. I think out of any movie we've done, mm-hmm. this was the idea that I had for this podcast, was I was going to go watch movies, and there was going to be all these things, and some yeah. movies kind of let us down, and there's not a lot... This one did not disappoint. No. What was the first piece of technology you saw? Of course, it's Scream. Mm-hmm. So the first scene was in a movie theater, and they're watching the first scene of basically the first movie. Yes. And the huge cordless phone oh, that yeah. the actress, who we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. answered, it was just extra big. Yeah. It did look like Zach Morse cordless uh cell phone yeah cordless cell phone what cell phone mm-hmm. and but it was huge even compared to the previous movie i felt yeah. it was way bigger but 
Um, and then you you mentioned the caller ID machine. Yeah. Didn't it wasn't even a part part of the phone? No. Or their answering machine. It was Mm-mm. a separate piece of technology that yeah. I forgot existed in a way. No, I remember those. That was a good day when we got caller ID. I think when when I was a kid, I think we just eventually got a phone that had caller ID on it. We oh. we went from nothing to that. Oh no, we had like two different versions of the one that she had where it was a separate contraption nice. that would just tell you the name and phone number. Yeah. And she used it because she was getting a lot of prank calls. Mm-hmm. Because people are assholes apparently. And it was- like, "Oh, you have your friends got murdered? I'm going to call you and make a joke about it." Yeah. The other one that I noticed, I forget who was using the cordless phone. I think it was a, just another character. It was a cordless phone that had the piece of paper inside the plastic on the back of the phone oh, where like you, you could put, put your number. most yeah, your most commonly used phone numbers. Definitely had one of those. Yep. Um the other one that thing I noticed was Mickey, who we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. His character is part of Sydney's new group of college friends, mm-hmm. and he carries a huge camcorder with him everywhere because he's a film student like Randy is, yeah. which Randy, of course, is Jamie Kennedy Jamie Kennedy yeah. from the first movie. Yeah. I noticed there was a character, Cece, who when she was using the portable telephone, she couldn't get reception. Yeah, she stepped outside the house. Outside it, the house. It wasn't even that far. Yeah. It wasn't even off her porch. Which I remember when I was a kid kind of messing with those parameters. Mm-hmm. And I could go to my mailbox. Yeah. And it would start doing static. Mm-hmm. And my mailbox was... Pre- I had a really big front yard, so it was a good distance. Yeah. So I felt like maybe her receiver was upstairs or something. I don't know. I will say... I did the same thing. I would go to the mailbox, but I don't know. Some of our listeners probably aren't aware, but we have like cluster mailboxes right. here where you have to like walk around the corner and get your mail, which was not how it was where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You just had a mailbox right outside your door. And so it was a good little distance to walk to the mailbox. And I would lose the call I was on and pick up other people's phone calls. Wow. While walking. Yeah. That's crazy. Those I didn't know that was a thing. Were the days, good yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Phones mm-hmm. that weren't cell. Yeah. Um, the other one that I noticed was in that scene. She answers the phone later, and it's a corded phone. Yeah. And it was a clear one where you could see all, all the parts, and then mm-hmm. all the parts were brightly colored. Yep. I'm pretty sure my neighbor slash friend had that. I think in if room. you were a kid and you had a phone in your room. It was a 99% chance it was that phone. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It was it was a popular phone. For Very some popular reason. phone, yeah. We didn't have much as children as far as technology, so the simplest things mm-hmm. were ours. Um, inside, uh, Cece was in, like in a sorority. Yes. And inside that sorority house was some great pieces of technology. There was a grandfather clock. Nice. Which I don't know that any movie we watched has those you know what's funny is i was i didn't really notice much about that house other than i felt like an old woman had decorated it yeah and i don't really know much about sororities who designs the houses if it's like a a separate person it just didn't seem like a sorority house it looked like she was sitting at her grandmother's house. exactly yeah it was a really nice house yeah i noticed there was a old record player Mm-hmm. That had, like, the big horn speaker. Oh, yeah, like, like in Casper. Exactly, just like in Casper. And also, she was watching television on a box TV where around the TV stand there was about 900 VHS tapes. Yes. So it was... So this scene alone... Yeah, it was delightful. Yeah. Um. The uh, only other one I, I mentioned or in my notes was... There's a scene where Sydney's in the library mm-hmm. and she's on the computer and it's just it was ancient. It was an ancient computer. Where was Windows 95? Apparently this this college she goes to does not have Windows 95. It was so it was 
It was like DOS. I was blown away. She did get an instant message. Yes. But yeah, it was like an MS-DOS computer set in 1980. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I noticed a payphone oh, mm-hmm. on the college campus, but the casing around the phone was like looked like an egg. Oh, yeah, I did notice that. Kind of weird. Yeah. Randy had a super large flip phone. He did. It was like a Motorola, Motorola flip phone. And then the last one that I noticed was Gail and Dewey want to review some footage from yes. their cameraman. And they were on a quest for a VCR. <laughs> they were running they through found... the halls of the college looking for a VCR. And they found a VCR Rolly TV thing. Yeah. Which, as I told you the other day, my teacher requested the VCR TV. You're like, they still have those? I was blown away. They didn't. Oh. What it was, was they have, like, brand new flat screens on the wall. They came in and they have a VCR that hooks into the computer. Uh, I would have been more excited if they rolled it in on the car. <laughs> like, it was High school. elementary school. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping for that. One of the things I did want to mention was, so there was no trailers on the DVD. I was kind of disappointed. But there was a really creepy yes. menu yeah. for the movie. It was... Just a close-up of a woman's eye, and it looked like she was bleeding from the eye. And it was just, like, her eye darting back and forth. When it started, I was confused for a second. I was thinking, did we put in The Hills Have Eyes? (laughs) I've seen Scream. It is not that graphic and disturbing. I don't know. There was a couple murders in this one that were a little disturbing. But, no, it it didn't fit with what the movie is. Yeah. They should have had Ghostface or or a knife or something. Definitely. So soundtrack, I know you probably had a couple things. There was some doozies, and I will say it was pretty much like they just had all of the popular bands of the moment on the soundtrack. There was Dave Matthews Band, Everclear, Collective Soul, Master P and Silk the Shocker. Sure. Nick Cave and the Bad Seed. But then one super relevant still, Foo Fighters had a song on there. Yeah. And, not, and Dave Matthews, obviously, is still relevant. but I just noticed the end song that was by Collective Soul. Yeah. Because to me, that's just pure, pure 97. Yeah. yeah. It really was. Ugh, good times. Did you have anything else for this category? I did not. Okay. This next category is called, kids would call it a throwback. We call it the prime of our teens. Or 11s. <laughs> or, for me, 13. So, it is your teens. Yeah, prime of my teens. You ruined my joke. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. I wasn't alive. Where we talk about fashion choices, offensive jokes, dated references. Fashion was interesting. Oh boy, was it ever. Very interesting. Right off the bat, uh, when they go to the movie theater, Uh a couple of the movie... Patrons, I guess. Goers. One of them was wearing a leather coat, which leather coats are still somewhat in. It was, I'm pretty sure, size to fit Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> it was massive. That's the thing I noticed about a couple people. And yeah. just that that era was oversized coats. Yeah, definitely. Especially for men. Mm-hmm. The first thing I noted was Gail, because her hair was so iconic in the first one with the light, chunky highlights. Yeah. She changed it up a bit. She got some darker highlights. Yeah. It was red and brown. But it was still very chunky mm-hmm. and thick, which yes. is not something I hope ever comes back. No. But I'm sure it will. Uh, because it all, every, it all everything does. always comes back. But, um, no- oh, go ahead. I noticed uh, Dewey, which was, he was in the first movie, so I'll go ahead and say it was David Arquette. Yes. And he has a mustache. Perfectly fine. But his mustache, one side was longer and thicker than the other side. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I just noticed that his mustache, it's its like his defining character trait, but mm-hmm. I think it's the creepiest thing in the world. It does. You if keep you, waiting if I didn't for like him to be the killer. So yeah. Yeah. Not because of the mustache, just... Yeah. No, I kept waiting for him to be the killer. What? You've seen this movie before. I know. And he's in the third one. I know. He's not the killer. Spoiler alert. Dewey is not the killer. Yes. One of the other pieces of fashion that i noticed was cc we've mentioned before mm-hmm. wears in the scene she's in and spoiler alert she dies she's wearing a crochet crop top like with 
that's tied. Yeah. And I had quite a few of those. So it brought me back. And that party that was happening at the same time she was at her house by herself, so many pastels. Oh, yeah. And khakis. Preppiness just threw up all over. It looked like Gap decided to throw a kegger. It was probably sponsored by Gap. Yeah, it was rough. One of the things I noticed, there was a character in the movie named Derek. (laughs) Derek. Uh, He was wearing a woven leather belt. Yes. Which was very popular at the time. I'm guilty of having worn one. And then he was wearing an overly large polo, which is weird because the person that plays Derek was a good sized guy. And the polo sleeve shirts went past, sleeves went past his elbow. Yeah. And they looked like they were built to f- be filled out by Dwayne Johnson. It's just the, the it, clothes. But this is what I said about Derek's outfit. Are you talking about when he wore the outfit when he sang to Sydney? That is correct. So I wrote that he looked like a 45-year-old divorced dad because he was wearing loafers. Yes. With the tucked-in polo shirt into his khaki pants with his yes. woven belt. It was a it was a look. That was apparently what 20-year-olds wore mm-hmm. in 1997. Yeah. But dads today Probably because if you think about it, dads today were 20 back. Whoa. Whoa. Mind explosion. Still. It's horrible. Did you have any uh, offensive jokes or dated references? I did have one more to go with my clothes. Sure. And that, well, actually two more. There's a character named Debbie Salt. Yes. Her clothes looked like she was inspired by Marsha Clark. Yes. She would wear the pantsuit, and then she had the red short hair. So that was an interesting fashion icon to go ahead and aspire to. Aspire to. And then Cotton Weary, at the end of the movie, he's wearing a black t-shirt and jeans, and he looks like he's. This is where Eminem got his <laughs> fashion choices from. Uh, to be fair about Debbie. To be fair. I noticed, especially in the one scene. There's a group of reporters. She's part of them. But there's a bunch of no-name reporters. Yes. And they're all blonde. They Mm -hmm. all have their hair up the same way. And they all have pastel baggy power suits. Mm -hmm. And the only one that stands out is Gail. But it's also because she did write a book about what happened in the first movie. And now everybody's interested in her input. As yeah. these murders are happening again. And also the movie that they watch at the beginning is based yes, off of Yes, that's the other thing that's happening novel. in this film is Hollywood made a movie of what happened yeah. in Scream. It's so meta. There's so many, so... so many layers to this movie. So meta. Yeah, so offensive jokes dated references. Right off the bat, the movie studio sends free costumes of the Ghostface Killer to the sneak preview that the two first two people are at. Yes. They get murdered. And I'm just thinking, in this day and age, that would never happen. No. Because, first of all, you're having a movie that promotes violence. Yeah. And then you're like, dress like the killer. So when the killer actually comes, he just sneaks right in there and just starts stabbing people. That scene is so ridiculous. It is. Because the whole time the movie's going on... The moviegoers are running up and down the aisles. It's chaotic. Chasing each other with the little plastic knives and the ghost face mask on. The movie's on. Go sit your ass down. It's Not to mention the two people that it's focusing on. They're like talking throughout the movie. Uh, but they weren't even the worst out of everybody no. because everybody was screaming and hollering. Screaming. It was that was the scariest part of the movie for me because I have really bad anxiety that I have to sit by people who talk during movies and who interrupt movies. So literally the scariest part of the movie is in the first five minutes when the movie theater is like, yeah. everybody took Not when people are dying. No. No. It is that crap because that has happened to us <laughs> multiple times. Not to that degree, but no, we, we always tend to sit next to people that have to have running commentary or make noises or take pictures on their phone in the middle of the movie. Yeah. So. Fucking douchebag. Worst. My worst pet peeve. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was a little offensive and you probably couldn't get away with 
was when the two moviegoers are in line for the movie. The female's name's Maureen and the guy's name's Phil. And Maureen's telling Phil she doesn't know why he wants to see this movie with dumbass white chicks getting their <laughs> dumb, a- dumb white asses stabbed. It was a little, I was like, that's kind of not appropriate, but okay. But it was also kind of a commentary on how all the movies did focus on, especially the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember one person of color in that movie. It's That's, very white. Yeah, that is very true. Did you have any other ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kermit the Frog here. Yeah, the one reference I had was Randy was talking to Dewey about the casting of Stab. Mm-hmm. And he said David Schwimmer plays Dewey in Stab. They don't show him, but yeah. they just reference him, which obviously in 1997... David Schwimmer's very big because he's on Friends. Yes. But he also mentioned Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman because uh-huh. his, whoever got his part, Randy's part, had a walk and roll on Dr. Quinn. Yeah. So nice. that's a good reference. My mom loved that show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, the only one that I really had where I was like, ooh, that's kind of dated was at the end, Mickey, who was one of the characters, he's giving a monologue. And he referenced uh, Johnny Cochran. Excuse me. (laughs) He referenced Johnny Cochran, Alan Dershowitz, and Bob Dole. Yes. Which is, uh, Alan Dershowitz is still with us, but Johnny Cochran and Bob Dole, I'm pretty sure. This is like, what, two years after OJ? Yeah, Bob, yeah. No, it's very topical at the time, but I don't know... That an average 18-year-old has any clue who Johnny Cochran is, or Bob Dole, for that matter, at this That's point, true. which is sad. Very true, but, yeah. yeah. That was uh, it. There wasn't... I didn't have a ton. No, they're just tiny little ones, yeah. which, as in the first movie, they referenced a lot of movies, mm-hmm. especially in the one of the first scenes, Randy's in his movie, or his film class, and they're all talking about how sequels are horrible, because again, meta, they have to talk about how sequels are horrible. Yeah. As they're in a sequel. Yeah, just just those references, mm-hmm. but it was just like Godfather 2 and mostly iconic movies that yeah. most people would know. They so. mentioned like Empire Strikes Back and yeah. stuff. Yeah. They're, yeah. Teaching. Should, should we move on? Yes. Go ahead. Our next category is Well Hello There, where we talk about any cameos or famous and recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And holy crap i think scream especially after this one likes to have a lot of cameos like legit cameos because i remember the fourth one having quite a few people because they are meta they do the here's the stab four and Mm -hmm. it's yeah and it's definitely a lot of young actors of the moment which uh, a lot of these people are still really really famous yeah but at the time, they were kind of a lot of them getting their starts. Yes. So. so the first one, we were talking about them. They were the first couple to get killed, Jada Pinkett Smith mm-hmm. and Omar Epps. Yes. And they're the couple that get stabbed in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. In Stab... It's Heather Graham. Yeah. She's playing basically the exact same part Drew Barrymore did mm-hmm. in, the first, in the first movie. She has the same haircut and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, that... Oh, that terrible wig. Yeah. The next one was Sarah Michelle Geller, who mm-hmm. we mentioned in multiple scenes. Cece. Yes. She's the third person to get murdered. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else was in that class. Uh, there was Joshua Jackson. Yes. Pacey from Pacey. Dawson's Creek. And... That's it. They had Buffy and Pacey. Yeah. yeah. And then also in that class, we talked about him earlier, Mickey, superstar actor Timothy Oliphant. Yes. From justified and one of our favorites santa clarita diet yes and he was also deadwood deadwood and the movie that we reviewed gone in 60 seconds yes he was he was one of the best parts of that movie when did that movie come out 2000 yes so that just shows you he's supposed to be playing a 20 year old and three three years later he's playing a veteran detective yes detective yes yeah he was 29 when this movie came out in 1987 so didn't realize he was 51. Yeah. Still looks good. Still looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, And then 
We mentioned Derek, who plays Sydney's boyfriend. Yes. He's Jerry O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Stand by me. Yes. And then amongst other sliders. Yes. I love that show. Yes. And the Veronica Mars movie. Yeah. Wasn't in the show, though. No. Okay. Got his ass fired. No. Not, not in the actor. He played the sheriff and yeah. the sheriff got fired. Yeah. He, he played sucked. the sheriff's brother from the show. But he was also the sheriff. Yeah. I mentioned Debbie Salt earlier, and that <laughs> that's was... not a made-up name. <laughs> and it was uh, played by Laurie Metcalf from yes. Roseanne and Big Bang Theory. Yes, amongst other things. Yeah, Lady Bird. She's Laurie Metcalf. She's been <laughs> in a ton of shit. She's won a ton of awards. She's a phenomenal actress. <laughs> uh, Portia de Rossi. Yes, was one of the sorority girls that I was hoping was going to be murdered. I yes, I was rooting for. There's two of them. They're kind of Portia annoying. Portia de Rossi, and it was Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah. And good God, if one of them would have died, no tears would have been formed. I just assumed if they're going to introduce pretty girls. I mean, they introduced Cece, which was Sarah Michelle Gellar, and she got <laughs> murdered. Like, in two seconds. Yes. So I just assumed that they were going to get murdered, and I couldn't remember. Because yeah. all I remember from this movie is the very beginning and the very end, and everything else was a blur. Yeah. From seeing this movie, like, eight years ago. Um, someone that I noticed was, and I, he would played just the drama class teacher uh-huh. was Craig Shoemaker, uh-huh. who the big thing I remember him from was when Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla left the man show. Uh-huh. He was one of the people that was the replacement where they tried to keep the man show going. He took over. Well, he was like a Adam film Car- teacher. He was a film teacher, oh, not the drama teacher. No, the drama sorry. teacher was, I, I don't know his name. David Warner. Yeah, he's been in stuff. Because I wrote him down. Where I recognized him from was he was uh, Professor Jordan Perry in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. But he was also in Titanic and Tron. But I knew him from Turtles. Yeah, that's Titanic is where I know him from. I put Marisol Nichols. Yeah. Who is from Riverdale. Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Betty's mom. No, Veronica's mom. Sorry. Veronica's mom. And she just had a very small part. And she was also in Can't Hardly Wait. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I feel like we were talking about it, how some of these people are in a lot of the movies. For Jerry example, O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell and um, was also in Can't Hardly Wait. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah Michelle Gellar and Joshua Jackson were both in Cruel Intentions, yes. which came out 98. 99. 99. Yeah. So they were very, obviously Sarah Michelle Gellar was very hot at the time yeah. because she was Buffy. That's correct. So she was just in everything, I think. There was two actors that were playing Sydney and Billy in Stab. Yes. Sydney was played by Tori Spelling, which was kind of a joke. Yeah. But she was kind of a big around that time because she was still in 90210 and she was in all those Lifetime movies she, that say. are amazing. Yeah. Especially in 1997, 90210 was still pretty big. Yeah. It wasn't quite on its dying days yet. And then Billy was played by... Luke Wilson. Yeah. And he had the hair. Yeah. It was obviously a wig, but he had the hair that Skeet Ulrich had yeah. in his faces. And they got, inter- or Tori Spelling got interviewed by Nancy O'Dell. Yeah. Our president's favorite correspondent. Sure. Um, another person I recognized was Elise Neal, who played Haley. Um, oh, mm-hmm. She was in Logan, but the thing that I most remember her from was she played D.L. Hughley's wife on The Hughleys. Okay, yeah. I remember that show. She looked familiar, but I I didn't write her. Oh. Because I already had like 30 people. So. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, that's, that's all of the ones I had. Same. Yeah, there was a ton. So we'll move on to our next category where we talk about the plot. Mm-hmm. Is it even good? And we talk about the casting choices, and we talk about our funniest and cringiest moments. And today we added our best and worst deaths. Yes. Which we didn't define, so it'll be interesting what we consider worst and best. But what did you think about the plot overall? On a broad scale, the plot's basically there's a copycat killer. Yeah. The idea that before you find out who the killer is, that somebody would want to terrorize just this one girl again is a little out there. But then once you find out who it is, you're like, okay. Yeah. There's tons of copycat killers in this world. Right. So that, I didn't think it was a stretch. And also even down to the fact that they made a movie about these killings. Right. Not a stretch for me. 
No, because they were very popularized because of Gail's book mm-hmm. and became a very big deal. It, it does make sense there would be a copycat. Yeah. Something I noticed about movies is I'd hope in real life, and I don't know if there's any instances in this in real life, that something like this could happen to a person technically four times if you're counting all the other sequels that we haven't covered yet. Yes. But that this can happen four times. At what point do you just like... I don't know what to do with my life right now. Like, everybody around me is always getting murdered. She had to get a new group of friends because all of her friends are dead. Basically. Yeah. And then they died again. <laughs> they all die again. Yes. So, it's not your fault, Sydney. I'm not Or is you. it? Uh-huh. Or is it? No. Yeah. How does she... I don't... Well, I guess in the third one, if I remember correctly, she's kind of... Uh, Lives alone, doesn't hang out with people. So kind of a recluse. Ma- makes sense that it yeah. took two movies for her to realize, I'm not going to hang out with people. Yes. So I agree with you <laughs> in that. I thought some of the deaths were a little over the top, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. What did you think about the casting choices? I thought they were all pretty good. Uh, some of them are a little old, as far as, like we mentioned, Timothy Oliphant's a little old yeah. to be playing the character he's in. I didn't think any of them were that bad. I, if anything, they have a hell of, in hindsight, a hell of a cast. Yeah. There's a shit ton of famous people in this movie. There is. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have any issue with it. No, I thought they were all good yeah. for the most part. Mm-hmm. What is your funniest moment or mm-hmm. line? For a minute there, I was worried I wasn't going to have anything funny. Yeah. Because there was no point where I was like, <laughs> so I did. It's kind of a two-parter. I did what was my favorite part of the movie, and then I did my funniest. Okay. Uh, my favorite part was when Sydney is in a cop car, and they're trying to get away from Ghostface, <laughs> and she has like a, her own little security detail. Yeah. And they end up crashing. Uh, Ghostface was driving the car. Her, Sydney and Haley are in the back seat, and like I said, so they have the partition between the front and back. They crash... And they can't get out because Ghostface is knocked out. She, like, has to rip the cage down. Totally believable that she's got that type of strength. Yeah. She climbs through there, again, as you would. Very believable. But I just like when she is crawling across Ghostface, it switches, the camera switches to a point of view shot of, this is essentially what Ghostface would be seeing. Yeah. And you just see Nev Campbell's face slowly go across the screen. And she's, like, just staring right at it. And then she, of course, elbows the steering wheel. <laughs> I just liked that shot where she just comes across and she's just, like, terrified. That wasn't my funniest. Like, I just thought that was cool. Yeah. For funniest, mentioned it earlier, Debbie Saltz, she's going to die, right? Cindy, Sydney, I mean, sorry, is trying to kill her. Yes. And they're on a stage. <laughs> yes. And there's sets because there's a play and stuff. Because Sydney's in the play. Yes. And Sydney turns into a Foley artist as she's, like, cutting down ropes that are dropping set pieces. Mm -hmm. And she just reaches over. They have the piece that you would shake to make thunder. Yes. And she shakes it for no reason. But the best part is that Lori Metcalf, Debbie, is horrified by all this stuff. All this stuff. She turns on the one machine and it's, like, fake fire. Yes. And she's like, oh, God. And I'm like, it's streamers. And then... Lori Metcalf starts climbing up a wall. Right. And bricks fall. Keep in mind, these are set pieces. It's like styrofoam. This is styrofoam. And Lori Metcalf's like, no! (laughs) Falls down and acts like she is crushed by these styrofoam bricks. Fast forward, our good friend Debbie Saltz is dead. Prior to this, somebody else dies. Mm -hmm. His name's Mickey. All of a sudden, everything's dead. Mickey comes back to life after having been shot six times. Well, yeah, that's the joke. So they put another six in him. He's dead. He goes flying. It was amazing. So mine wasn't quite as long. It was literally (laughs) just one part. Mm -hmm. It's when Gail and Dewey and Randy are talking and Ghostface calls Randy. So they all separate because they're dumb. (laughs) <laughs> sorry but it's true it is yeah they why break separate. up mm-hmm. they separate to look on the quad basically yeah. look for somebody on their cell phone because they can 
He's he, giving hints that he can see them. Gail and Dewey go off on their own to look for the person on the cell phone. And she picks up somebody's cell phone and she's like, who's this? Because if it was Randy on the other end, that's how you want to say it. But she goes, who's this? And the person must ask, who's this? And she said, this is Gail Weathers, author of the Woodboro Murders. <laughs> and the funny part is Dewey's face is like, this is not the time <laughs> to be promoting your book. Yeah. Let's let's priorities, woman. It That was just funny. There wasn't a lot of humor. Randy's funny, but yeah. he's more just there for the movie references. Oh, that scene was crazy because they were just running around a quad accosting people. If you were on a cell phone, they were going to yell at you. Yeah, yeah, in daytime. I thought that movie was, a moment was funny. Mm-hmm. How about your cringiest moment or line? My cringiest was, there's a scene where Ghostface stabs Dewey. Mm-hmm. And Gale and Dewey are like separated between a glass partition. Like they're in a recording studio, yes. basically. And so... Ghostface stabs Dewey, and then Gale realizes Ghostface can come right into the room with her. So she shoves over a... Bookcase. Bookcase, yeah. Yeah. And Ghostface is just standing there, stabbing at the air. Yeah. But then Gale just kind of goes over, and she's obviously terrified by what happened, but she just crouches down next to a desk where Ghostface can still see her and cries. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? But she looked down just, just enough so that he could disappear mysteriously. Yep. That scene did remind me, there's a lot of things that mirror the first one because it reminded me of when he goes to attack Sydney in her house and she had this thing where we talked about it, where the doors interlock so basically mm-hmm. she can block anybody from coming in and he's just sitting there stabbing yeah. at nothing. And they, of course, add the sound effect though. Yeah. I don't think they did it with this movie as much. Just in that scene I noticed oh, okay. it, yeah. What was your cringiest moment? Mine was just something weird that Derek said to Sydney. There's a scene where she gets attacked at the party that they're at mm-hmm. after Cece gets murdered. It's like the second set of murders. Oops. Mm-hmm. Just hitting the microphone. And she answers the phone, which... That's not even her house. Why do you answer the phone? You could have just left with your boyfriend. Yeah. She's at somebody else's sorority house. You mm-hmm. don't need to answer their phone, Sydney. She just thinks somebody's calling for her. Well, they were, <laughs> but her boyfriend goes back into the house and gets stabbed, right? So the day after, she's a little suspicious because everybody's like, oh, he's a med student and he got stabbed, but he didn't really get hurt. Yeah. So it's it's questionable. And obviously she has a history with Billy being the killer. So it's hard for her to trust, whatever. But he's like, how am I going to get you alone? Because she has a detail on her. Yeah. The two detectives. It was cringy the way he said it, and I'm like, why would you joke about this to a woman that obviously has had history with a boyfriend being a serial killer trying to kill her? Yeah. It's not a good joke, man. No. Not not the right time to make that joke. Ill-timed. Yes. (laughs) Should we move on to our best and worst deaths? Yes. In this special category, what was your best death, and what do you define as best? I I don't know how to define it, but... It was my favorite because <laughs> okay. I was just like, well, that was funny. Not funny, but I was like, oh, that was, it was kind of a murder. Yeah. So Ghostface stabs Cece in the back. Yes. And they were on a balcony. And right. He just picks her up and throws her off the balcony. Like she's nothing. <laughs> she was nothing. I'm hoping that was Timi- Timothy Oliphant doing that because otherwise hope. Larry Metcalf's been juicing. <laughs> she's been in the gym. What was <laughs> yours? Mine was... Just in terms of kind of the grossest and most graphic deaths, you kind of mentioned earlier that Sydney and her roommate get into a car accident mm-hmm. with Ghostface driving mm-hmm. the detective's car. And there's one detective that gets murdered and dies, but then there's another one that's standing in front of the car telling him to get out, and he hits him. And when they crash into something, he gets a pull into the head, and it was very graphic. Yeah. And... It was amazing. That was actually my second one. Oh, really? Yeah. No, not for worse, but it was like, oh, it was like my a... close second for best death because, yeah, the rebar through the head was yeah. cool. Yeah. Gross. Gross. What was your worst death? My worst death, it was technically the second one, mm-hmm. which is Jada Pinkett Smith at the movie. Right. Because Ghostface stabs her in the stomach. Sure. 
And then she just kind of like waddles out into an aisle. But it goes back to how obnoxious the moviegoers were. Right. They barely notice that there's a lady walking down the aisle holding her stomach. She's been stabbed and she just walks up there and dies. That's probably why they made the scene of the people being so rowdy and people are like fake stabbing each other because this costume comes with a fake knife too on top of it. And so they think it's an act at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was kind of cheesy. She was really hamming it up, I thought. Yeah. I just thought Randy's death was kind of shitty because you barely see him get murdered. Mm -hmm. And for somebody that was a main character and a survivor of the first film, Mm -hmm. I feel like he should have deserved a better death. Yeah. And maybe even at the end when they're standing off with the killers and he died, that would be one thing. But he just died in the middle of the movie in a van by himself. Very true. And that sucks, man. Yeah, he deserved better. He did. Yeah. Also, I wanted to do a special, as far as my additional notes, because I have quite a few. Mm-hmm. We're going to be here for a while, folks. <laughs> special shout out to Joel, the cameraman, for getting out of Dodge after Randy gets murdered, because he was like, I am not getting murdered. I'm not going to be a statistic. Nope. Mm-mm. So he got out, and then he came back after the killers were caught, but yeah, he was just like, yeah, I'm going to get a taxi and get... <laughs> Because you read about the old cameraman. What was some of your additional notes that you wanted to address? At the very, very beginning of the movie, Omar Epps character goes to the bathroom. And he walks in there and there's two people standing at the urinals going to the bathroom. He creepily stands right behind them and then decides to go try to use a stall. Right. And he can hear some weird noises coming from the stall next to him. And he puts his ear up to the partition. Yeah. And he pays the price. And get stabbed in it. But I was like, what kind of creep can hear weird stuff? You're like, let me go ahead and do some further examination. And it was also weird that whoever, I'm guessing, I don't know which one it was. It probably was Timothy Elephant was like, listen, mommy, mommy. It was so creepy. I remember watching that as a kid and being creeped out just at that. Yeah. If I hear those noises, I'm not putting my ear up. I'm getting the hell out. Also, since you mentioned it, Mm -hmm. Ghostface's knife can go through a lot of different materials yeah. doors yeah front doors that should be thick that's very thick true ass doors that was like i would assume a plywood partition with like a coating around yeah it for the bathroom went right through it i i don't know i don't know what kind of knife he has Whew. it's like made of vibranium or something <laughs> he's gonna have a vibranium knife <laughs> just saying he was friends with black panther yeah <sighs> makes sense yeah on why it can go through so many things. <laughs> it's so strong. Um, I had mentioned that, and then I was... I love this scene. I almost wrote it as my funniest, but I do remember writing it. Wouldn't happen in the first movie as my funniest. But Gail's running her mouth to Sydney. They see each other for the first time again mm-hmm. in this movie. And she just brings out Cotton Weary yeah on, to put sydney on the spot mm-hmm. and she's just running her mouth to her and i was thinking because i couldn't remember i was typing she's really trying to get punched again yeah. she's really just trying to get sydney to punch her again <laughs> and then sydney didn't disappoint and she punched her <laughs> and it was amazing she does not learn yeah what was something else at the beginning um they show cotton getting interviewed like on the news in the similarities between Lee Schreiber's appearance and Ted Bundy's appearance yeah. was kind of eerie for me. Which is weird because he's completely innocent. Yeah. he's But he's weird. He yes. acts... But I think that's... They're trying to throw you off. They're trying to be like Cotton Weary's trying to get his revenge because mm-hmm. he got sent to pr- prison for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. He's very demanding yes. of... But you realize it's just because he's trying to make the best of his situation and profit off his situation oh yeah but especially in the library yeah he's really threatening towards uh sydney because she wouldn't go on diane's story with him yeah what was another one of yours i had put down that i thought it was very very odd choice for sydney to agree to be part of a play where people in masks follow you around with knives yes kind of traumatizing yeah and then when she sees Ghostface in the mix of the crowd of st- students mm-hmm. that are playing these people, she starts screaming. And nobody's like, everybody looks at her like she's a freak. Yeah. And I'm like, do you know what the killer looks like? 
you know who she is. You know what the killer looked like. And you're like, why are you so upset? And it, exactly. He looks like you. And yeah. she's clearly having a PTSD episode, you jerks. And people people are like, what's her deal? Yeah. It's almost like her, all of her friends got murdered by a masked killer <laughs> Suck with a knife. <laughs> and then, what, what else did you have? When Gail's trying to evade Ghostface in that studio, mm-hmm. she just keeps zigzagging around soundproof partitions. There was like 50 of them. Right? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, how much soundproofing does this room need? <laughs> and they're they're just all placed and she's just hiding. Like, it's just, I guess, good filmmaking. Yeah. So she could have a little maze to get <laughs> escape Ghostface with. The other thing I noted was uh, towards the end of the movie, there's a bunch of people partying on the drama stage mm-hmm. before the big showdown. I was just thinking it wouldn't be a screen movie unless there was a group of young people who have a blatant disregard for the fact that there's a serial killer running around (laughs) and just, you know, party and get drunk. Like in the first movie. Gotta party it up. Who cares? We're gonna die. It's it's okay that half of our student body got killed. Yeah. Who cares? Like five of them got murdered. One in broad daylight. (laughs) Broad daylight. Daylight. (laughs) Anything else? I think that was all I had. Any more for you? Um, I think we addressed most of them. I ta- I had written down a little note about them trying to escape from the car and just how slow Sydney was going and how she got her friend murdered because she, really she had to go back. Did. Yeah. And also if they would have hurried their asses up, they could have got out of there. Very true. Very quickly. That was the most obvious death was when Sydney starts going back to the car. You could see he wasn't even in there anymore. Yeah, and she gets up there and she looks back and it, you're just like, oh, your friend's going to die. Also, I, I pointed out that Mickey, Timothy Oliphant, was basically like the stew of this mm-hmm. sequel where he liked to talk a lot yes. to Sydney about his plan and how he's going to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And then his partner shot him. Yep. <laughs> and he died. Sad. Yeah. Poor good Joel. Times. Um, Should we move on to our final thoughts? Yes, we shall. And as always, it is award season here on Ruining Our Childhood. We give out two awards every week. The first of which is the valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage online school of bad acting. Who did you give yours to? So I did think for a movie that has a lot of over-the-top acting, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. I like all the actors. But I did give it to Jerry O'Connell. Oh. Because if you ever go back and watch that movie again, when he has to do something slightly dramatic, he blinks a thousand times a minute. Really? Yes. I I noticed it after the second scene he was in, and the scene where he, we kind of talked about it, he could feel like Sydney getting a little distant from him, so he burst out into a song in the cafeteria, in which, not that great of a singer. No, it was cringy. <laughs> yeah. Before he does it, he blinks a bunch. And then Mickey, who is his friend, Timothy Oliphant, he's like, what's going on, buddy? And then he just breaks down to the song. And I just felt like he was kind of a forgettable role, too. Yeah. And they were trying to make it seem like, could he be the next Billy? Is he like Billy? But he didn't have that bad boy to him. He was kind of vanilla. Yeah. Which she probably did because dating bad boys did not prove wise in the first movie. <laughs> no. But... I just thought he was kind of blah. Yeah, he and was kind of And the blah. blinking thing, seriously. I wish I would have noticed that. If we ever watch it again, I hope I remember what you're saying. And just, um, it'll trigger for me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, are you having a seizure? No. Jerry O'Connell, what's going on? He's not a bad actor. No. But just in this movie. Maybe he was phoning in it. I don't know. Who was yours? I gave it to, it was a combination because I felt like they were the same person. And that was Rebecca Gayhart and Portia de Rossi. They were annoying sorority girls. Yes. To the point, like, you know when you're watching Scream, people are going to (laughs) die. And I had it in my head, I'm perfectly okay if these two die. Because they were so annoying. Yeah. They kind of made Sydney feel a little bit left out. And I don't know if they were just, their whole purpose was to show that Sydney is not a sorority girl. Yeah. Maybe she would have been if, you know, 
half of her friends in high school didn't get murdered <laughs> or were serial killers. It was also interesting because I forgot that Portia de Rossi was in this and everything I've ever seen her in, she's not this bubbly idiot. No, she's very, she's always like the fancy kind of bitchy person yes, in a movie. Exactly. That's a good one. Yeah. I like those picks. Mm-hmm. Next is the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Who did you give yours to? I gave it to Debbie Salt, Laurie Metcalf. She did some cheeseball stuff when yeah. she's dying, like we said, reacting to the thunder and stuff. But when she is trying to get Cotton to kill Sydney, and she is behind Sydney, reminding Cotton that Sydney got him put away for one year. She would just pop her head out and, you know, say it and then hide again. It was she so well done. She had crazy eyes. Too. Yes, such crazy eyes. It was so well done. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Mine was Courtney Cox. Oh. Because I felt like they really made her character a lot more likable in this one. Definitely. Even though at the, at the end of the first movie, she saves them. And so they're kind of on better terms. Mm-hmm. She kind of has gotten a big head again because she's sold this book and they're making a movie based on her book so she's back to her bitchy ways but then there's a point where uh in the middle of the movie she sees how opter- opportunistic cotton is mm-hmm. about interviews and she realizes like wow that's how i am she tells dewey like, i don't want to be like that anymore mm-hmm. i just want to help so i thought like there was character development in her whereas everybody else kind of I don't know. She was definitely a, the one that changed the most and yeah. had the most growth. So definitely, I agree with you on that. Because I feel like Sydney was kind of more just mopey, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. If she was a real person, totally understand. Mm-hmm. Again, half of her <laughs> high school friends got murdered and the other half were the murderers. <laughs> so I totally understand that. Yeah. But she was just kind of like mopey and mm-hmm. eh. And I guess she got tough, you know? She yeah. got tough, but she didn't get smarter. No. She didn't get smarter at all. No, she did not. So, I guess we can move on to, does this sequel hold up? What do you think? I think it's interesting because I feel like we kind of sat here for a, the better part of an hour and made fun of this movie. Yeah. And pointed out a lot of stuff. But one thing we didn't mention was, you kind of briefly mentioned it, was the acting's not bad. No. Yes. And I felt like that helped age it well. Yeah. So I thought it did hold up. Okay. It was enjoyable. I really, like I said, out of any movie we've ever done, I felt like this was the one that had everything. But it was an enjoyable movie, and I I thought it held up from what I could remember, and I enjoyed it. What about you? I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. Oh, sad. But I will agree that I'd watch this movie again in sequential order with the rest of the sequels just Mm -hmm. because and i agree with you there's a lot of things to talk about because it is a horror movie so there's situations which are a little extreme yeah in real life it wouldn't play out that way like shooting somebody a couple times he's not gonna go flying against the wall like mickey did (laughs) i feel like the one flaw in this is what i just mentioned was that sydney who's already been through this scenario Mm -hmm. Did not learn anything from the first movie. Not one thing. Other than to not trust her boyfriend, which, guess what? You could have trusted your boyfriend, and you got him killed. And you got your roommate killed. And you got your best friend from high school killed. The only one that survived. <laughs> Just waiting for you to go, you basic. <laughs> you basic. No. Um, <laughs> uh, and don't forget, this happens two more times to her, so... <laughs> I'm just saying, she she basic. <laughs> she basic. Um, but also that, I guess the flaws in sequels is that they always try to outdo the original. Mm-hmm. And I think the original was good enough to where it was hard to outdo it. Yeah. But I, I do agree it was still watchable. It was still good. There was just small parts that I was like, why? Why? Every time somebody gets murdered, I feel like I was Jada Pinkett Smith in that movie theater when she's yelling at heather graham and stab going what why 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 are you going upstairs don't go upstairs no don't run around naked no but i did like that part when she was like why does she need to take a shower right now (laughs) (laughs) but when she 
took off her robe and the theater erupts. Yeah. Like, calm. I've only seen that once in my life. It was Twilight. Yes. When Taylor Lautner took off. That is so true. (laughs) Yes. Taylor Lautner's abs got quite the scream from the Twilight crowd. I really want to see if that would happen again (laughs) 10 years later. (laughs) Probably not. Go show it to some people. They'll be like, who? Yeah. Aw, he doesn't have a career. I mean, he has abs. <laughs> yeah. Is he that hot, though? No. To 16-year-olds, yes. Yes. To 30-something-year-olds? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so we disagreed, we but, disagree. you know, still, still a watchable movie. I just don't yeah. think it holds up to Yeah, because we've adults. had ones where we said it didn't hold up, like, prime example gone in 60 seconds i'd totally watch it again (laughs) just to make fun of it yeah it was an enjoyable movie for sure Uh, so yeah thank you for joining us for another halloween themed movie in mm -hmm. our october spectacular that i just made (laughs) october spooktacular Ooh, yeah that's been used before oh i think every tv station (laughs) uses it uh thank you for making us part of your week and give us a rate and review over on the Apple podcast app. Or Google podcasts, even. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I don't know what else. Who are we? What am I doing? What's your name? <laughs> Follow Why us. am I here? Follow us over on Instagram and Facebook at Ruining Our Childhood. And Twitter at ROC Movie Podcast. Yes. And next week, we'll be doing another Halloween movie. Yeah. Do you want to tell them? People Under the Stairs. Which is literally... The second scariest movie I've seen in my life as a child. Okay. A small child. For me, scariest still to this day. Really? It. That's the scariest one. It doesn't hold up, man. It doesn't, but it was the scariest one for my childhood. That's true. No, that's my. That's why I said this one's my second, because it was my first. Oh, okay. It was the most scarring oh. of the two, and then the second one. And <sighs> I'm looking forward to next week. Yes, I'm excited. So thanks again for joining us, and we're out. Bye. Bye. Yeah, basic. Yeah, basic.